Hello, and welcome to Imagine Me and Utena, a revolutionary girl Utena podcast. I'm Panda, I'm your host, and I'm here with my co-host Alice. How you doing, Alice? I'm doing pretty good tonight. We are here for another Friends Like That episode where we talk to our friends or people we think are cool or co-hosts from our other podcasts. Bam. And we are here tonight with uh chad how you doing chad i'm doing pretty good uh chad why don't you tell people who you are i am your friend via the comics podcast i do a lot of weird stuff i if you wanted to find me online anyways i've made a video game that's on steam i have written a book land of glass yo wait 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 what A, a video game it's called the land of glass oh that's dope it's like a it's like a card based video game, right? I don't really know anything about it because I don't play video games. But I bullied my partner into downloading it, so I feel like that counts. It works. Oh, it's shit, good enough. This looks so cool. I'm sorry I derailed you entirely, but no, this fine. looks dope as hell. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was like a five or six year project uh, my brother and myself put together. He did all of the programming wizardry. I did the writing, and then we mixed and matched a bunch of other other stuff. So I guess that's that's my big thing. I've I've written a book with talking animal people you can find online called The Ninth Life. I've done music stuff. I I do a lot of weird stuff. None of it super well, but I keep myself very busy. <laughs> and Chad, you mentioned that you are from the po- comics podcast, which is a show that I haven't really talked very much about on this show. That's because it's horrible. It well, that's not why. It is a podcast that I am on, and you are my one of my co-hosts on it. We are the Comics Podcast because we are the only podcast about comic books on the internet. You can fact check it; it's a hundred percent true. And suck it, Snows. I won't listen to anything else. So normally, this is where I would ask you, the guest, what your history is with Revolutionary Girl Utena. But I think I'm gonna tell. I'm going to tell the audience how you ended up here, and you can interject as you see fit. How do you feel about that? I trust you implicitly. <laughs> All right. So, Chad, you are on the other podcast with me, and so we are in a group chat with our other co-hosts, and I occasionally will say things like, Utsuna is the only anime that matters, and it's on YouTube, so everyone should watch it. And one day, you finally decided to actually do that, and you watched episode one, and you hated it, and you told me that it was a bad show, and you did not want to watch any of the rest of it. How do you, Would you characterize that statement as correct? Okay, in my defense, all of that is true. Fuck off. That's a hell of a defense. <laughs> I can't wait to uh, bicker with you this whole episode. So you did not like episode one. And I told you that I thought you were writing the show off too quickly and that you should at least give it another couple of episodes. And then you at one point you said you wanted to come on my anime podcast, but I told you that you could not do that unless you had seen at least 13 episodes of the show. Also correct. You eventually dedicated yourself to watching 13 episodes because after watching a couple of more, you realized that maybe your judgment on episode one was not 100% correct. Yeah, I would agree with that. And then after you watched 13 episodes, you kept going until last week when you watched the last two episodes yep you watched uh you you only watched like one a night for like the past month right yeah i i'm a slow viewer of things and i paced myself and I, I paced myself i guess and then i got to the the cliffhanger on 38 and i was very upset <laughs> the only time you watch two episodes in a night that is the only time i watched two episodes in a night so, um, who would you say is your favorite character in Revolutionary Girl Utena? Oh, we're just jumping into that. I don't have to complain about episode one yet. Uh, I mean, like, well, you know, things will... We'll get there. You, you, can, you can get into that, but that's just sort of a, like a, a start into the conversation is, who is your favorite character? I knew, I knew this con- uh, question was going to come up, and I put some thought into it, and I believe the answer is jury. Oh, interesting. I want to hear more about this. 
I really like Jury for a lot of reasons. Uh, I think she's got the most interesting and tragic of backstories, but in a way that like suits her. But really, when I was looking at the characters, it, it came down to who's got the best motivation for trying to basically participate in this weird game that is being concocted by an adult and making kids play. And her whole thing is she's got she's got the the the, the ex the ex friend who she loves who went and and is fall in love with a boy and all of this uh, love triangle stuff and she's just so upset and tortured by this but i i feel like she wants this miracle this power thing that is promised to her not to like make the relationship happen but to make her not want the relationship to happen is how i've i've grown to read her and i really like that as a, as a character plus she's never formally loses a sword fight with utna which is cool like she accidentally loses the one based on luck and then forfeits the second one of the the main kind of uh, student council cast, she's like the less stupid one, which is nice. Do you ever get the feeling that Jury's biggest enemy is Jury, and that's why she's the yes. one who beats herself every time? Yes, that is a very succinct way to put it. So, um, why didn't I'm gonna regret asking this? Why didn't you like episode one, Chad? So, Uten, okay, there's a couple of things uh, that were going against it. Um, first is I really just instantly did not like the art style. I know. It's very bright and angular and kind of flat, and I got used to it as it went on, but I don't think I would say I ever really like the art style of this. It is an older anime. It has just a flair I'm not really used to or appreciate. I uh, I sent you some reference pictures that uh, it's, it's very deliberately, like, attempting to emulate a certain, like, shoujo yeah. art style. And I will admit that it's not to everyone's taste. I think that, I think it rules. I like the art style a lot, and I think it's really interesting. It did take me a little bit to get used to it. It's a little alienating to look at to begin with, especially like the big poofy sleeves on the girls' uniforms and stuff like that. Yeah, the silhouettes are very weird. Yeah. Is part of it. I, I also just like the, there, there's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of sharp angles, in, especially in the uniforms, and they're just, it's off-putting. Like you, you're watching it, and it looks like it's supposed to be an anime that takes place in a school, but there's just something very sharp about it that I, I didn't like. And I actually had the same problem with Steven Universe when I was beginning to watch that, however many years ago now, is I, I really did not like the art style, and I had to force myself to watch enough episodes where I no longer cared. <laughs> Uh, so aside from the art style, what else were you not a fan of? So the fun thing about Utna is it operates under a very weird sense of logic on what is happening, what are the rules, where the school is. Like it's obvious, it's not normal, but there's enough normal in it, and you have to piece some of this together. Getting thrown into that in the first episode was very jarring, and I really did not know what the hell I was supposed to take away from it, or like its tone. Or why the people were dueling when it seemed like on the surface to be a normal school with a fencing club. Like it's just it's a very bizarre show and you get the shadow puppets and it there's a lot going on and it doesn't hold your hand at all. And so basically you have to either keep watching it and you'll eventually understand why it's doing the things it's doing, or you leave and you're just like, Well, that show's fucking weird, man, anime fans are weird. Yeah, you um you watch some anime, but would you consider yourself like an an anime fan? Um, are you or are you not a weeb and can you defend this stance? <laughs> See, that that's a better wording of the question because I was going to use the word weeb. <laughs> I I don't think so, but I've watched enough anime where I probably am to most people. I have an opinion on citrus. Like that doesn't uh, do me any favors. Uh, we got ten minutes in. I'm not the only one who's seen that one here, right? I have seen it. Um, I have thoughts about it, and we would love to talk to you about it at some point because I have some interesting thoughts. But I have seen it. It's dreadful. Yeah, it's dreadful. I'm probably the nicest person to it that I know, but it is dreadful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it has a really good best friend character, though. It does. The, the, I don't remember the name main character anymore, but uh, she does not deserve that friend. But so. I, my anime tastes tend to skew towards, like, I, okay, my favorite anime is K-On, so, like, I love that one. Hell yeah. I have an anime to show you later. I'm Okay, I, anybody who likes K-On has is, is got good taste in, in Japanese cartoons. Chad's been trying to get me to watch K-On for literally at least a year. K-On is actually, so, if you like 
character-driven shows, which I know you do because anyone listening to this really likes Utena than any Kihara shows, you will probably like Kaon because Kaon is extremely character-driven and it's not an accident that people like one of the closest shows to Utena, um, Review Starlight, it was was talked about as if it was a Kaon clone because they have a lot of thing, a lot of base like ethos in common and how they focus on characters. Okay, maybe. I'm it, I'm not against it. I've just never gotten around to it is more an accurate statement. You'll watch it and then you'll end up owning an instrument you can't play. <laughs> so after your disappointment with the first episode, what did you like what was your experience with continuing as you first started out with continuing watching the show? Well, I I grew to like some of the weird eccentricities of the show. I really liked the shadow puppets. And so there's little hooks that kept me going. And then the fact that there was enough like repeated frames and, and things that went on for all that I could just like, oh, I can just skip this next minute. That's pretty handy. Thanks, Utna. I know, right? <laughs> uh, but there, there is a logic and a, a, a sinister something that is going on underneath all of the weird stuff. And I really wanted to find out what it was because it, it was one of those shows where I had absolutely no idea where it was going to end up or how it was going to end or just what kind of characters were going to show up. It, I literally could not predict anything that would happen in this show. And that's kind of rare for shows. I mean, I read a lot of stuff. I consume more than enough media, like I understand plot structures and whatever. And so just to get a show that could constantly like throw me off my guard was a lot of fun. And I really appreciated just how wild this one was willing to go. Uh, when you got to episode 13, like, what was, how did you feel about, pos- like, watching the rest of it? Were you like, did you have to think about it? Or were you just, well, I'm in, I'm in the long haul for this one now? By by episode 13, I was definitely like, oh, I guess I'm in the long haul. Like, by then I was, I was having fun. I don't remember what that cliffhanger was. I think what, that's when Anthe, um... Episode thirteen. Well, episode twelve was when Utna had put on the regular girl's uniform and then had to basically like fight her own self doubts to get Amphi back. And then like episode thirteen has the it's the clip show, and then at the very end it starts to hint at the Akio stuff. Oh yeah. So what I did with episode thirteen was skip ahead every four minutes until I got to something that was new <laughs> and then I watched that and then was done for the night. So you did miss a little bit, mostly well you might have, because I kinda wanted to do that too, but when I actually watched it, it's surprisingly it's it's got enough new inf- new material in there that it was kind of worth it. Was it it's definitely the worst of the episodes, but it was surprisingly worth it. The show is so rude with how it handles recap episodes because you can't yeah. skip them entirely. I know, right? And there's like three of them. It's horrible. Well, how do you feel about the fact that one of the recap episodes is entirely a recap of all of Naname's episodes? Okay, that one was honestly kind of funny because, and I, I still skipped ahead a bit, but I would stop every once in a while and be like, okay, well, I gotta rewatch this part. She gets attacked by surfing elephants. It's brilliant. I watched that. That was the first episode I watched when I was rewatching earlier today because it's self care, really. It is pretty funny. The I I just kind of decided that the recap episodes are just a, another example of how Ikuhara is fucking with you by making you watch them. Oh yeah, everything about this anime is attempting to subvert your expectations for what happens in a normal anime like in a like normal anime the incest is like lurid and like like winking at you like oh we know it's wrong but you think it's hot but like (laughs) in this it is abjectly horrifying you guys ever realize that the only like healthy relationships in this show are gay relationships Everything else is, like, basically incest. There are some toxic gay relationships in this epi- in this series, too. I mean, like, Toga and Sionji is very 
homoerotic. Akio and Toga is very homoerotic. Okay, Akio and Toga is bad because of the age difference. Togo and Sionji, I feel like, is... They'll work it out. The problem is Toga because he is so like, like Sionji really just like wants to be his friend and wants to be close to him and like is a little bit of an idiot who is easily manipulated by other people. Also likes camping. <laughs> yeah. I really grew to like Green Hair Man. I hated the shit out of him in the first couple episodes. And by the end, I was like, you know what? You're all right. You should probably stay away from the bad man. I was, I actually was having similar feelings when I was rewatching episodes because I, I was only rewatching like from the, like the first episode after Black Rose arc ended. And then I watched through the, I watched through the, the Ruka episode. So I, uh, I didn't watch all of it, but, uh, I was just, <laughs> I look at Sayonji and he's so dumb and ridiculous and he's just i really do kind of love him a little bit (laughs) this show is really nice to its dumb characters in some ways because there's definitely a handful of them but like utna's dumb as shit but she's so endearing and and her dumbness gets her through the day like it, it it's the reason why everything works out in the end yeah how do you feel about anthe I have mixed feelings on Anthe. At, at first, yeah. I really liked her, and then I was like, "Shit's really not good," and she's part of the reason why. But I don't know why. And then it's like, "Oh, you find out what's going on." Is like, "Oh my god, someone needs to save her from this horrible man. This is so bad. <laughs> this is so so bad. I cannot. Ble- I, I was legit shocked that the anime went in that direction because yeah. I mean, there was dark stuff, and I knew like Akio was the bad guy, but it's like, yeah, but he's also raping his sister on a very regular basis. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that. Yeah, I you you're probably the only person that I know like in my like regular circle that I talk to that I didn't feel like I needed to give trigger warnings for watching this. So you had like no warning as to how intense things were going to get once like the series really got into the final arc. Yeah, there's some brutal visuals that like they don't show anything other than emotion and it's just like holy crap this show is going for it how did you feel about some of the the heavier themes of utina i think they are why this anime is worth watching i i really really appreciated where the show was willing to go how it wasn't going to sugarcoat like abuse um or manipulative relationships and it just it went for it it was uh i think respectful uh, of what it was trying to do and so like if i'm going to recommend people watch this it's sort of like yeah you should watch this because it has things to say and it's also willing to be dumb and fun at the same time and i, I think the the way it slides into um its earlier seasons to the later seasons and the, the way the tone kind of warps and shifts like it feels very natural it's not just a whiplash of like oh and now things are horrible it's like no i mean when when the horrible things happen you expect them to like it it foreshadows it pretty well what do you think Utena is trying to say? Like the show itself? Yeah. Um I like there's no wrong answer here really. I feel like the show is almost predominantly about like the I want to say like the power, not so much power of friendship but the power of like love in all its forms. Like it's very pro LGBT just everything cuz basically everybody in the show is bisexual to some degree, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> But the the way Anthe and, and Utna's relationship develops and then ends up at the end where Akio wants to be this prince, he wants to get all this power, and he wants all this garbage, and Utna just wants to save her friend. And that's literally why her thing works. And at the end of the day, it's sort of like your good deeds and your friends are all that really matter. And I think that's kind of a big crux of the show is intention matters. All, all of these uh, happy-go-lucky feelings matter. And sometimes bad things happen, but you can overcome them to some degree. Yeah, definitely. What would you say was your favorite part of this experience? I really liked uh, going into the Facebook uh, group chat we have and just typing in random nonsense from episodes to you, Jean-Luc, and Alex, and just seeing how everybody would react or not react. (laughs) Because I always... 
I always knew instantly when you were talking about Utena, and I could see when John and Alex would at first attempt to figure out what you were saying and then realize once I responded that uh, they're talking about some anime garbage. Yeah, it's it just out of context. There's so many weird things that happen in this show. And even in context, they're kind of weird, but just trying to explain them to like an outsider. Like if someone walked in while I was watching this and they're just like, what's going on? It's like, okay, we're going to take an hour here because I can't just tell you. Like it, it is such a, it builds on itself so well, but it's also just such a willing to be psychedelic and trippy and just strange. Yeah, it's um, it's funny that you mention uh, like just attempting to say what just happened on screen because I was thinking we we've been joking about the possibility of eventually doing Utena again, and I was thinking that a uh, a segment that we might do is uh, Utena facts. And at the end of the episode, everyone uh, just has to say, like, one thing, like, one thing that is canon to the series Utena because it happened. Like, uh, an example of this would be in the Naname's Egg episode, a fact about Utena is that Sayonji picked up an egg off the ground that he saw sitting in a blanket and put it in his basket of eggs that he was going to cook later. He took a random multicolored egg off the ground. Yeah, I feel like that's how you get like salmonella or something. I Not recommended. <laughs> or, or just the monkey sucks a fart out of his sleeping bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is a hell of a sentence. I know, right? It's glorious. It's so good. Do you, did you have a favorite episode hmm. or like a favorite moment? As much as I didn't really like the Naname, or Naname, I really liked the episode where they body swap and she's got to find this spice to try and get them to revert back. And she's being attacked by, I think it was elephants the entire time. Everything. It was like, like legitimately great slapstick comedy. But otherwise... The episode that takes place entirely from Akio's perspective. Like episode 33? I think so. Oh god. It's extremely cursed that you said episode 33 is your your favorite episode. It's a really well-constructed, destructive, gross episode. It it does exactly what it wants to do extremely well. I was very engaged and I was very horrified. It was great. I'm embarrassed to say that I had to actually go to Wikipedia and look at which one you were talking about because I don't remember which one is which number. Uh, well, Christ. the reason that I know the oh, number God. is friend of the show, Vana, uh, who runs Empty Movement, the largest English language Revolutionary Girl Utena fan site. It is also a favorite episode of hers for for similar reasons because it's like, it's so fucking horrifying and well done in the same yeah. way. I mean, I mean, I'm not going to speak for her. It's hard to watch, but that doesn't mean it's not good. She's spoken for herself many times on this show, so I don't have to speak for her. But, uh, oh, yeah, God, that one's rough. Because you don't know at first whose perspective it is, and then you start to die, you, you figure it out, and then all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm halfway and I can't stop. Oh, God, yeah. Did you, um... I haven't watched that episode on YouTube. Did they include the subtitle for the fact that the ro- the writing on the road said stop while like the the big scene was happening towards the end of the episode? I don't remember. Oh yeah, there's like it's the juxtaposition of like what is very clearly like Akio and Utena having sex, but it's only zoomed in on Utena's face. And then also, like, see of like the car going down the road, and like the the painting on the road says the kanji for stop. Oh, that's clever. Yeah. I, I I think that might have been in there, but it was one of those details where you're just you either notice I mean, it. Or it you happened don't. really fast, so I wouldn't blame you for missing it the first time either way. But yeah, oh, like everything about that episode is like extremely well crafted and disgustingly horrifying. It's it, what's funny about it, or not funny, but just a thing I noticed is like it starts off with Utna's wearing a dress, and I'm just like, well, nothing good happens when she dresses like a girl because every time she has in the past, <laughs> it's been bad. You're not wrong. 
So that was like this really great piece of like imagery where like, hey, you know something wrong is going to go on, but it shouldn't technically be wrong. But in the context of this character, it absolutely is. And you have to figure out what it is. Well, it's like Wakaba says in episode 12, like it like dressing like a girl might not be wrong, but it's wrong for her. Yeah. So no one ever picks the actual best episode of the show. <laughs> so I have to always, I, I feel I always want to ask, why, what did you feel about the best episode of the show, the 27th episode, um, Nanami's Egg? Oh! I, re- I rewatched that today. One of the greatest things I've ever watched in my life. That is a very wild episode. It, it's actually like, despite being really funny and weird, it is a great dive into that character, why she is the way she is, how ignorant she is, and just you... You feel kind of bad for because it's obviously a, a all metaphors galore, right? Like the the show is just yeah. steeped in metaphors, like a nice tea. Um, it's all about puberty. It really is. Uh, and at first, you're just like, "Why are you so dumb?" But also, I like I like how overreacting she is to everything. Like every thought she has is like the end of the world to her if she you doesn't act on like- it anime when you started watching this show and i have held back my tongue as much as i can she killed a fucking cat emily it's okay it's it is hard to get over the cat it is very hard to get over the cat i will defend him here okay but how do you how do you feel about the like progression of nanme's character over the course of the show i do like it uh i i understand why she can be someone's favorite character. I think there's a lot of complexity to her. Uh, when she basically witnesses Akio and, and, and Anthe together and her reaction to that, because at, at, at that point, you're just like, she's so fetishizing her brother. This is so weird. What is wrong with her? And then she kind of sees this thing and she's fucking horrified by it. And you're like, oh, it really wasn't about the sex for her. It was about literally everything else, but she's so bad at communicating. I tried to tell you that it wasn't all about her wanting to fuck. Yeah, but it was an anime and I didn't believe you. Like, I feel like after a while I got to the point where I had this realization of, yeah, I'd pro like, I feel like anybody would probably kill cats if their brother was, was fucking Toga. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Toga's not allowed to be happy. He's a piece of shit. Though even at the end, I kind of started feeling bad for him because he's ultimately, he's like a teenager getting manipulated by a 30, 40 some year old man. Like he's very bad, but yeah, he is literally groomed. How right. old do you think Akio is? Real I quick? I don't know because he looks like he's like based on fairy tale lore. He's like in the hundreds. Motherfucker just doesn't age. There's not really like a canon answer to this, so I'm just it's more a question of like your perception. I want to say late thirties, early forties. I feel like the older a person is when they watch the show for the first time, the older they feel like Akio is. That is probably super accurate. I'm just like, well, I'm 30. There's no way he's my age. That would be gross. <laughs> he has to be older than me. Uh, there, there's a running gag about like Akio being 19, but uh... oh god, no, <laughs> no. I there's no there's no actual canon to support how old Akio is. Oh, yeah. legitimately like, though. Nebulously an adult. I, I like Akio a lot as a villain, and also the car flip he does oh, is so amazing, good. and I want that to be in a Fast and the Furious movie. It just is like a reference that one person who sees that movie will get. Like it'll make a you know, seven billion dollars or whatever, and one person will be like, Oh god, I've seen it not I get that and they'll be really happy. I want Vin Diesel to ride on a car like that. God, that would be incredible. It Usman gets referenced in a lot of things, although it's usually yeah. like children's media made by women like uh steven universe i don't know if you picked up on that at all when you were watching utina chad but steven universe has absolutely referenced utina in like scenes where like pearl is sword fighting and there's a character you haven't watched steven universe future so you wouldn't know this but there's a character whose design is very similar to like a mishmash of anthe and utina's uh character designs in steven universe future and in the Netflix uh, She-Ra cartoon, which you should also watch because it's very good, there are like direct uh, scene references in like the last season of uh, She-Ra to see. I really need to watch that. I, I love the art stills I've seen of that show. 
It's got a great animation style. I just it's it. It, it looks fun. And I just I need to get around to it. I actually heard I actually encountered a Utsuda reference pre-transition and before you had ever mentioned Utsuda to me. I and what it was, was it? In, Chad, are you familiar with Christine Love? No. Um, she's a, she's a, she made lots of video games, several video games. She's an indie game designer. And one of her games, um, how was it? It's just a long fucking title. Something or other, this just ain't your story or whatever it is, which is one of her lesser well-known ones. You, there is the, like, basically future Facebook profile of one of the characters who is openly a lesbian has a bit from the intro song um from Uther oh wonderful in it and yeah like i just i didn't know what that was i just assumed it's it like was live our lives heroically and with yeah, style let's live in, let's live them in style yeah yeah and i it's it was there uh, looking i kind of want to go back and replay all of her games because i'm sure there's other Uthana stuff in there oh probably it's one of those things where i bet as i go forward and watch things and an experience life i will probably find references to the show it seems like it's it is one of those like big popular shows i just never heard of this is a little controversial but there is a suspected reference sideways wise to utsuda and have you ever watched evangelion i have not it is there's a it, this is kind of an urban legend but people kind of wonder if kuwaru the character of kuwaru and evangelion is based off of ikihara the creator of oh, Revolutionary Oh, the, the director. Uh, Hideaki Anno and Konohiko Ikahara are friends. They have a very yeah. weird friendship. Oh, do we ship them here? Is that how that works? Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I would if it weren't kind of mildly creepy. But <laughs> because it seems like that's what's going on there. We support Hideaki Anno and his boyfriend, Konohiko Ikahara. It's okay. I remember seeing, like, oh, God, I remember seeing, I can't remember which one of them it was, but it was, like, an interview. It was an interview about one of them talking about the other, and it was, like, this is, this is giving me big, like, historians would talk about how, what close friends they are energy. (laughs) (laughs) It was very funny. I think it was Ikahara talking about Otto, and just, like, knowing that people are going to, to wonder about that, I feel like he's just trying to fuck with people again. There is nothing to confirm the idea that Ikuhara is some flavor of queer, but that also means that there isn't anything to say that he isn't. And the fact that, like, all of the shows that he has made, except for Penguin Drum, which doesn't really have very... Penguin Drum is not as very queer from what I remember, but, like, uh, like all of his shows have, like, same-sex relationships characters and he has in real life uh done like cross-dress cosplay he is extremely gnc like he's done a uh, lot of cross-dressing cosplay he did a cosplay of sailor mars from sailor moon like in like full like outfit and heels oh wow uh and uh his most recent anime sarah zamai features a character that cross-dresses like look the signs are there and you know we're not gonna like try to spread rumors about like a real life human being but like i'm sorry if it did come off that way no 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 no. i i'm just i i'm more saying that like yeah for the audience i guess but like it's not from what we understand it's sort of an open secret that he is probably one of us let's just say (laughs) a friend of mara for those of you that like (laughs) she-ra I don't, I don't know that reference. We, it's from, you need to watch uh, the last couple seasons of She-Ra. I, I do. You do. There you go. But yeah, so back to Uzna in and of itself. Chad, what what are some things that you thought about Utna that you would like to share with us? So my big things with stuff like this is trying to kind of crack the logic, right? Like, because... Mm-hmm. Utna plays it kind of cagey on what is real and what is metaphor. And so there's a it's it's a fairy tale story structure, a fairy tale story. It opens up with the whole a prince showed up and, and gave the, the princess a ring, but she decided she wants to become a princess or prince instead. Yeah. And and I'm looking at the way the characters are acting with each other and why they're trying to do what they're doing, and then you got all the thought the swords when we're getting into Anthe's and Accio's backstory and how he was a prince in ye olden times and she was a witch 
and trying to figure out, okay, why are things the way they are in this show and how do I reconcile all of this so it makes some level of sense? And my idea or theory on this is that basically Agio and Anthe are operating under very strict fairy tale rules. They are not of a world. They are this fairy tale story, a literal prince and a literal princess who became a witch. Uh, because if if all of the sword stuff is metaphorical and the duels are metaphorical, to me, everything falls apart. It doesn't make any sense if those weren't really happening. And so it comes down to, well, why are things happening the way they are then if this is real? Well, fairy tale logic doesn't really work like real logic. You need certain elements to uh, to coincide, to happen, whatever. So he's got to power up this sword, which is, a in this case, a real sword. They were having real duels with a sword and pulling swords out of each other. They, they didn't just come with swords, right? In order to get this sword powered up and have all these duels and this magical stuff make sense, he's having kids do it because kids are impressionable. How can you get X, Y, and Z to happen if you're trying to get adults to do it. Well, I mean, you can get them drunk or high as hell, but it's going to be easier to be in a school and to manipulate children. Yeah, as far as I know, there isn't any uh, plying with substances in this, but I mean, that, I mean, well, okay, of the children, let's say, uh, Akio is 110% poisoning his uh, fiance. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so going by that, right? So to me, he's got this. He has to power up this sword, or ha- he has to do this thing that's coming out of the, the Rose Bride. And it has to win or be involved in so many duels to happen, and that's the magic of it. Now it's powerful enough he can break the door at the end. Mm-hmm. And so he's getting these kids to do this to do this fighting for him, and he's manipulating them, and he's into the world, and he's getting them involved in these rituals and this game. And of course, they're they're super into it, and you can watch the show, and they're, they're, they have the, the, the world's an egg, and the chick's going to catch, and it's going to die, and all this other stupid shit that they say over and over and over again. But to them, it's basically a spell. Like, it's this thing they have to say, because they are really indoctrinated in this logic that has been given to them, and they think that if they do this, and they follow the rules they're going to literally get some level of power to change the world because that's what's being told to them by an adult and by this these mystery letters they're getting. So I'm looking at this from basically this fairy tale logic versus the real logic. And the reason to me that Utna is able to do anything at the end is because largely it comes down to she's pure of heart, whereas Akio is not. It is comes back to that level of, of childish fairy tale logic. Akio doesn't actually care about his sister. He more than is willing to have her have her take the fall so he can get this power. Utna wants yeah. to save her sister. Or save Anthe, his sister. <laughs> Freudian slip there, I Chad. know, right? I swear to God, there's a joke somewhere. Like, a woman's slip, but it's a Freudian slip. Like, the underskirt. Like, the, yeah. the, the punchline, I have never been able to get One a proper day, setup to it. One day, it's the hill I will eventually tie on. So... Are you familiar with SEPs? Um, explain what the acronym is and maybe. Okay, so I promise this is going somewhere because you reminded me when you were talking about sort of the fairy tale logic because I'm not sure why I haven't thought of this before, but SEPs started as little stories. They actually oh, started on 4chan, SCPs. I'm sorry, but they've moved beyond it. Yes. Um, SEPs, yeah. And secure, contain, protect. They're a little short form fiction that's sort of horror fiction in the form of like database files about phenomena or uh, objects or creatures that are anomalous in some way that are being sort of contained by a shadowy organization and it's really cool um scp is really great but there's one of them that you reminded me of specifically in this the deer god and the whole the whole article is horrifying to read but it's about this elaborate ritual kind of set of rituals that take forever and it's just like pages and pages and the and this is a spoiler by the way so sorry about that but at the end of it you get some excerpts from that are included from kind of from different like people involved in creating these sort of protocols about what is this doing how do how does any of this bizarre horrible bloody ritual keep this creature contained and the Love secret it. is that it doesn't but it fits the it fits the mythic it, like it has, it works on mythic mythos story logic. That obviously you did a bunch of rituals and made sacrifices. This must have power because in the myth, the mythic sort of imagination, these things have power, and so the creature never thinks to escape, despite the fact that it is basically a god. Because 
well, obviously you did all the rituals. That doesn't mean I can leave. And like, I had that like beam into my brain as you were talking about the story, like the storybook kind of logic. It's it's like a it's like a gaze from um from Gios from um from Celtic mythology. It's like there's nothing physical here. It's this is how the story works, and the the like in the liminal space of the Zotori, the story logic rules work. Like in they 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 sort of like they they're basically laws of the universe. And the only way Usna escapes is that she gives up like trying to fit into the storybook prince archetype she like she stops trying to like save anthe and instead like they save like right yeah like together basically yeah what what alice just said is is largely where i'm coming from i think all of that is is what this show is trying to do or at least it's what i got out of it it reminded me a lot of like neil gaiman's writing because he likes to mix a lot of uh, metatextual stuff with his with his stories and just yes. story logic and all of that and he's one of my favorite authors and I was getting a lot of like that vibe from this show by the end which was really cool for me because uh, it's pretty much my jam so <laughs> one of the things I decided to do is look up a bunch of different uh, archetypes for fairy tales and try to figure out where things fit and I could have done more research but I I, I didn't want to <laughs> um, and so. The we got like uh, I'm trying to read through my notes to figure out where this stuff starts. Uh, so the the big the first big one would be like the foolish character, the fool protagonist. Jack and the Beanstalk was uh, the example given, and I got all this from uh, Tor.com. They have apparently articles about fiction and and whatnot aside from the stories they're actually trying to sell and publish. And so I see this. Oh, the fool protagonist is a a, a big archetype in, in fairy tales, obviously. We can think of a couple. Utna is absolutely <laughs> where she fits here because despite her wanting to be the prince of the story, she's kind of dumb. She's absolutely incapable of asking like any kind of meaningful question. Everything that happens to her, she just takes at face value. Like There's so many frustrating moments in yeah. the show where weird shit is happening and she's like, oh, I guess this is how the yeah, school the is right now and just goes with it. The problem between every Utena character is that none of them will talk to each other. Which is like its own thing, right? Like you can look at this from a yeah. that perspective and probably glean so many other ways to, to and fun things about the show. But like... Like you look at Jack and the Beanstalk, and he's pure of heart, right? Like he he doesn't have any money, but he has this solution, and he goes for it, and it works and doesn't work. And the whole like going back to Utna is like, well, she succeeds in helping Anthe because at the end of the day, that's where her heart is—is is to do this. It's not to be a prince. It's not to uphold this or this value. It's to save her friend, and so she is able to do that. So then the next one would be the meddlesome fairy, and this is where things start to get a little more fun and trying to figure out which characters fit where. So I don't know which character you would view as the the meddlesome fairy when it comes to the fairy tale archetype. Like, uh, I'm interested in who you think is the meddlesome fairy, Chad. Well, it's got a goddamn being the Nami. What uh, what really qualifies a meddlesome fairy? Um, so the the big thing with the fairy is like they have power. They're willing to get involved in stuff. They're also extremely petty. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, she's she's like a mix of that and right. uh, bottom from Midsummer's Night Dream, where she's she keeps coming into the story and influencing it in very powerful ways, but she's also like just dumb as hell, and everything. Right, bad and, but she also has the power to influence the story. Like she has a lot of social wealth in this school, and so when mm-hmm. she does or says something, people pay attention, and so she can control discourse, and so. You have to kind of be afraid of her because she can alter your perception very easily in the school. And so the fact that she's petty is a problem. <laughs> yeah. Did you um did you happen to pick up on the fact that Anthe is the source of all of Naname's hmm. troubles? Uh if you if you ever decide to go back and watch the show again, pay attention to Anthe throughout all of Naname's episodes and you'll notice there's a trend of like her being attached to all of like the weirdness that happens with Naname and when you take into account that Anthe is like very clearly extremely powerful and exercising that power in ways that like we can't really 
see there's a lot of evidence to support the theory that like anthe is basically like causing like all these animals to chase Naname down or like like in the episode where uh they they kind of spelled this out a little bit if you watch the Naname recap episode like things in the diary keep coming up like hey Anthe weren't you the one that made the sweater that made Naname go nuts because she had turned into a cow and weren't you the one that ordered the cowbell that she ended up putting on and making her turn into a cow and like it's just it's so interesting because for so much of the show Anthe seems like a really passive character until you start to like actually examine what's going on and like she's very clearly like involved in a lot of pulling of strings even if some of the strings that are being pulled hmm. are hers. that kind of makes sense like i like the idea of like the bully at school slaps you and you're just like secretly like bitch i'm gonna turn you into a cow and then you literally do that <laughs> Well, and in, in the egg episode, it's implied that Choo Choo hatches from the egg and who is who is Choo Choo right. associated with, but Anthe. God, that whole, the whole egg episode. I used to think that like the mushroom Samba was the weird, was weird, but then I saw that one and I feel like they're almost, they're battle par. <laughs> but back to uh, the, the fairy tale archetypes. Okay, so more, I got a couple uh, more for you. Yeah. Uh, the next one is the Charming Prince. <laughs> and that's a fun one because... I feel like a lot of the characters, especially the ones on the student council, really want to be this. I mean, it's obviously Utna's thing, um, but then uh, Red Hair, uh, Toga, wants to be a prince, and he the way he acts and the way he dresses, he's an asshole, so he fucking isn't one. <laughs> well, he thinks he, he is. He really though. does. I think Mickey has a certain element to it, to it where he's nice, he's sweet, he's trying to save Anthe, kind of, but he really just wants to play the piano and pretend she's his sister. Uh, yeah. Not quite there. He would like to think that he is good, and he has the potential to be good, but he is not as good as he would hope to be. Yes. He has the least worst intentions, but that doesn't mean that his intentions are good, either. His initial intentions are good, in the sense that he is able to see that this game is bad but then sure, it appeals yeah. to him yeah he I, he was he was on the list of like being a favorite character but there's just too many things with him that i just don't quite like you're lucky in that you got to watch the whole show and then someone asked you and like me who liked him and originally because he was pretty nice and then had to deal with a year and a half of everyone giving me shit about it. <laughs> no one gave me shit about it. It was just part of your brand because you was so mean. I was never mean to you. Okay, you're right. It's mostly Yasha and Gio who were mean to me. Well, yeah, but that's because they're mean. I like the whole, like, tortured musician thing he's got going on, right? Like, yeah. I can relate to that. I make awful music, too. And it makes me feel sad sometimes. And he is sad sometimes. And it's like, we can be friends. I mean, we can't because I'm... 20 years older than he is but that's the thing about mickey is that he's very good at being good when he doesn't have any skin in the game yes and once he has skin in the game oh right he's a child and of course he's going to do this like they all do this yeah but he doesn't think of himself that way he thinks he's great he thinks very highly of himself so, he's very judgy so the uh, when it comes to the prince then my answer to that is it's a jury, and it's somewhat from my what I said before of why she's a favorite character of mine. But uh, she has a lot of the qualities, she, uh, the, the physical stuff, right? She's a good duelist. Um, she doesn't really lose any of the duels that she's in, other than the one she throws or weird random physics. Uh, she's well respected. <laughs> she's ostensibly powerful within the school. Uh, teachers like her, other students like her, so she can enforce things and get control. The whole unrequited love thing and the way i feel like she's trying to win this game is to more save herself and not force someone to do something uh the way she views miracles like i she feels more pure of heart than any of the other characters and at the end of the day like she becomes a friend of utna and is sort of a good influence on her like she is able to help move the story forward in a good way instead of a negative way yeah i can see i could definitely agree with that um the last two are going to be pretty obvious you got the wicked crone that's Accio. He's an <laughs> asshole. He's also way older than everybody. I love, I love describing him as a crow. <laughs> Amazing. It just cracks me up. And then the, the damsel in distress would be Anthe. 
that's the whole thing is that he's like sexy mm-hmm. or whatever and just anyway it, the, what was the, the, the damsel would be anthe sure yeah because i mean who else is going to be there like on- also, she's got a lot of animal friends, and that's pretty common uh, in the the, yeah, the, the princesses in like, Disney movies. A, like subverted Disney princess stereotype. Yeah, it's it's kind of great. Like she embodies these things you understand, but then she does things that are so outside that archetype that you you don't know what to expect from. Her. She's like a Disney princess that lived long enough to become a Game of Thrones princess. Whoa. Yeah, I like that. That's a really good, good way to describe her. <laughs> she wouldn't fall for the phrase bullshit either. She's too smart for that. I don't know anything Fucking about Rob Game of Stark, Thrones. dumbass. I've literally never seen a Game of Thrones. I read the books. Ever. I've not seen a Game of Thrones. I refuse. <laughs> Martin, please live long enough to finish your books. He's never going to do it. I know. He's just going to He's just gonna keep you going. He'll get Winds of Winter done, and he'll be like, a dream of spring, but and he'll remember, be like 89. Robert Jordan never finished, and I'm not convinced he didn't do it on purpose. I, I suppose I want... I don't know. I feel like... I've read enough interviews from Martin that he actually does want to finish. He's just such a weird perfectionist who can only write like two months out of the year because the, uh, the rest of the year is filled with sports. He's a strange man. Back to it, not sure. I do have a question. What would you say is your, which would you say is your favorite arc of the show? Um, Honestly, it's probably the last one just because at that point shit is super hitting the fan. We've kind of dialed back some of the comedy and it, it is full blown in exactly what it wants to do. It, it, it's still weird, but it's, it just is kind of more what I want out of a story, I guess. Like it, it's a bit more serious. It's got more things to say. I really, I, I like, I like like by the end they're talking to the shadow puppets. Yeah. <laughs> that that progression is amazing. Um, what? How do you feel about the ending? Like the last two episodes. I like it. Um, at first I, I was I was concerned that the movie was gonna be like, oh, Anthony's gonna go find out, and no, I'm gonna have to watch this. Then you said okay. it wasn't that, and I was like, cool, I don't have to watch it. Debatably, the movie is sort of a sequel, but it's like a weird, like it's sort of like a a meta, like it it attempts to take like the basic overarching plot of Utna and kind of squish it into like one weird dream sequence of a movie while like adding in some like new weird stuff and then like it has a different ending Mm. a very different ending but um and i i do think that you should watch it because i think that it's a kind of a divisive piece of utina media like some people like it more than others but i do think it's sort of like a really interesting facet of like the series and it it's also got a lot of really good animation so i think it's worth it on that level as well um utina has short hair in the Ooh, movie. that's scandalous that's cool. or is it i guess I, I don't know what she looks like with short hair i should probably look that up before i have a Opinion. It is an experience. No, with short hair. It like the the movie art style is really. Ooh, interesting. okay. I actually don't mind this at all. I've suggested before that you and I should watch the movie together because I think that would be very funny. Am I the only one who did not like short hair Utena? Sorry, but yes, I love short hair Utena. Like, I eventually I liked it, but it took me a while. It was like, it was a shock. I like long hair Utena, but like I don't know, it's fun for her to have short hair, at least just for the movie. And it does get longer at one point in the movie because magic or whatever. Yeah, you know, like I mean, they, the movie's just like fuck it, like reality doesn't exist. It really does have like some really insane animation. Yeah, it's in definitely it. like a different, slightly different had, art style uh, in the show. I mean, the the budget was sure. different because it was a movie, and also like the movie is just fever dream i feel like the show was like relatively successful as far as i'm aware there was a poll done recently that ranked it like second worst of ikuhara's shows uh among people voting in japan but fuck it they're they're wrong sorry like i don't think that it's like i don't know i guess i would say that i think it's probably the best which is crazy because it was like his first independent show i don't know how much you know about the the creator of this show chad but he was a uh he was a director on sailor moon for a while and then that influenced him going on to do this this the concept for the series actually started out a lot more like a traditional like magical girl group 
series, but then slowly morphed into whatever became the actual series of Utena. I'm glad. It's really interesting. But um yeah, shit's wild, guys. <laughs> I lost I lost the uh the train there. It's That's fine. okay. All roads lead to Utena. All roads lead to a Tori. That's horrifying to think about. <laughs> So, um, do you have any other, uh, any other thoughts that you'd like to share with us? No, that was the Cliff Notes version (laughs) of my Cliff Notes. Did you like the Black Rose arc? The Black Rose arc is weird. And it's, I wouldn't say it's like super divisive, but it's always weird in that a lot of people just kind of like don't know what to do with it. But it's actually my favorite. I like that it, um... It it starts that transition of and, and tone where things are getting dark and weird. The duels are not to fight for and own Anthe, but to literally kill her. And so, like the stakes immediately jump there. We have characters that are maybe friends are getting brainwashed. They're going through this weird thing, and all of a sudden they want to fight now. And then they're like losing corpses, getting thrown into fire. Like there's just a lot of really dark, strange, surreal shit. And I'm down for all of that. I like. I like that stuff. I also really like how it ends, where it uh, is kind of like, oh, that was actually the burned down building. It's just still on campus, and we never demolished it. And it's like it was ghosts and all this other stuff. And it's cool. Like it, it, it furthers the logic of the story that things are not normal. That there's there's normalcy, but there's a lot of magical stuff going on. And and it's like this is really helping it creep forward would you ever be interested in watching the utina musicals um you know if i had a a good old bottle of 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 bourbon with me and my friend emily or alice yeah we could probably make subtitles and the music is like actually pretty good i mean you've seen cats so it can only go i I feel like it's your fault i've seen most of the musicals i am responsible for you watching the spongebob musical i think so i think so i mean i feel like that's a net good because the spongebob musical rules oh yeah that's fucking great musical because it it rules it's basically just a movie of spongebob i'm not ironic here like it genuinely is good i mean Spongebob is objectively one of the best things that's ever happened. Oh, wow. I was really afraid that that sentence was going on that you were going to say something wrong, but you didn't, so we can keep going. (laughs) I mean, like, how can you beat one of the greatest moments of any of our cohort's childhood, which is very obviously, um, and it's sweet, sweet victory. (laughs) Like, Literally the greatest moment. I had Jean Luc watch yeah. that episode, and he was like, Jean-Luc "I don't get it." Is devoid of fun and childhood joy. He is, which is weird because he's a child who loves. He exited the womb an old man. He's an old man. <laughs> I think I can't do a podcast without shitting on Jean Luc. Yeah. <laughs> like your listeners aren't gonna who the fuck that yeah, is. That's what happens when he's not here, and you and I are talking. Is we just make fun of him. <laughs> yeah. So mean. It's for it's fine. It's fine. Everybody agrees it's yeah. fine. <laughs> Two out of three people agree it's fine. <laughs> so yeah, um I'm really glad that you watched Utana. I've Me been too. uh I've been very excited <laughs> about having you on the show because I I genuinely was not sure if you were gonna watch uh all thirty nine episodes, even though I I did think that you were gonna at least make it to thirteen. Yeah, I wasn't sure in the beginning either because those first couple were kind of rocky and i was getting i was getting used to utna as a thing but once i did and like once the hooks the the plot and and theme hooks really got in it's like okay i I have to see where this goes because i i don't know where it will end up and i'm I'm excited to three where uh they it's the uh where naname is trying to make anthe look weird and all of the like it's the introduction to like ridiculous things happening to Naname. I feel like is really integral to setting the tone for the show. Yeah. Now, now even then, that was still like early enough. I'm just like, what the fuck is this show? But at least this is really funny because some of that slapstick stuff like really appeals to me. And so it's like, well, I'm laughing now. So at least it won me over there. Like, if you can make me laugh, you can probably get me to sit through a decent amount of episodes of the thing. You should absolutely check out the most recent Ikuhara show called Sarah's Anmai. It is, it has a lot of really good slapstick comedy and also- It's weird as hell. Like, really balls, balls to the wall insane. 
in a in a way like this one is but luckily sarah zanmai is only like i think it's like like 10 or 12 episodes so like it's really uh it really easy to get through i would say uh it came out last on the year crunchy rolls and it's really good <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm not sure, but I can I can look into okay. finding. I I know it's, on, it's on like Hulu. I have Funimation, so I I know it's on there. I'll find it, but so, uh, it's on somewhere. I don't know what else is on, so but it's uh it's really good, and I <laughs> it's it's weirder in certain ways, more upfront than Utsna was. It gets to some of the weirdness more. The quickly. weirdness in in Sarazanmai is also not all of it, but it. A lot of it is played a little. It, it's more playful than in Utena, where it's just like, "What the hell?" It's more like, "What the hell?" and then you laugh. Yeah, it, it gets it gets dark, but it's not as dark as also Utena, the music fucking say. slaps. Nice. Oh yeah, the music is really good. Like the, the opening and end theme songs are both like extremely good. And I actually got to visit the the area of uh Japan that it it takes place in, uh Asakusa. I got to go there on literally my last day in Japan. I want I want to tell back. The the music in Utna is a lot of fun. It is lyrically oh god, dumb so as shit. I love it. It, it and it's not like that dumb because I like the lyrics are thematically about the episodes. Like it is tied in, but it's so over the yeah. top. And it's so silly. And so typically like flowery. Yeah. And like typically I was skipping through the transformation scenes, but every once in a while I'd still watch one. It's like, oh, they got new (laughs) lyrics for this episode. Yeah. The music is really good. I I, I appreciate the just crazy amount of work that went into this show because you have a transformation sequence that's pretty long and you're reusing animation. Fine. But to get like a new song every time. And they're all like, and they're all like these ludicrous over the top power metal, like, extravaganzas yeah reading the reading the lyrics was always very fun when we were it's doing so, it through the first time that was like my favorite part of every episode yeah and uh like i uh friend of the show chelly actually apparently has gone through and timed it and uh zetai unme mokushiroku plays a uh like total of 45 minutes throughout the entire holy series. shit we did uh, when I was in Japan. We did karaoke. To nice. The song. It was in the it was in the karaoke machine. It was really good. <laughs> yeah, it rules. I like that. Um, in like the beginning, it's Utsuna going up the stairs every time, and then at one point, the elevator gets introduced. Oh yeah, I was so mad. I was like, "You made them walk up the stairs how long?" And then it's like, and also you're putting me through all of these animations where I'm seeing you walk up the stairs, but then the elevator scene is like just as long. So it's like, oh well. Yeah, Jimmy was like, "I can't believe that the elevator takes as long as it did to go up the stairs." I'm like, "I don't know what to tell you. It's a really slow elevator." Yeah, it really was. Um, Alice has linked a one of the songs from Sarah's and my in uh, our Facebook. Mm-hmm. Group. Oh God, the thumbnail on this is wild. Oh yeah, it's about Kappa. Do you do you know what Kappa? Yeah, I read are, Wayward. Chad? Okay, well, uh, <laughs> it the like. The three main characters get like turned into Kappa because reasons. You have to watch the show, obviously. But I like um, the one has glasses. Really oh no the the two cops are uh they're like the villains. It's complicated, mm. but uh they're really good. I used to have a button that would play the beginning of the the song from th- that, but uh. I took it out of the soundboard so I would have room for. Oh, what? What? Hey, it's this thing. Yeah, it's in the soundboard. I use it to torture Teresa when we're recording. I'm just sitting here in my in my normal God fearing Uthana podcast, and then out of the like the darkness of the corner of my eye comes this. I'm like, what? That's what happens when you have the power of the soundboard. You can also do stuff like this. You remind me of a babe. Hey, Alice, have you seen Cats the Musical? <laughs> I have. I actually watched it. I made Alice watch Cats. I guess that's kind of a dumb question considering you two are we friends live about, and like, live next we, we to each other. We both live next to each other, but like, I used to go down there at least once a month, but now because the world ended, we have not seen each other in many an age. It's it has been, been very, very sad. sad. Please, please, um, please everyone feel bad for us. Do you have any, do you have any final thoughts about 
Um, I liked it. I really enjoyed the anime. I'm I'm glad I ended up watching it. I'm glad I got over the hump of the first couple episodes and and decided to just embrace whatever the fuck it was feeding me and <laughs> munch feels, away. Uh, that feels like a. That feels like a. It wasn't, but. It 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 kind of sounds like what I'm thinking about. It was a Everything really weird phrasing. Yonic or phallic in some yeah. way. Yeah, just all of it. All right. Well, uh, if that will do us for this episode, listeners, you can find us on the internet on Twitter.com at Utenacast, and you can follow me on Twitter at mpandanata. Alice, where can people find you online? They can find me at Lyrewolf. L y r e w u o f. And Chad, uh, wh- where can people find you on the internet, should you wish to be found? Um, where can they find your I-, I listed a bunch of them early on, so I'm not going to repeat those. If you want to follow me on Twitter, on my at Anonym Band, I-N-O-N-U-M, and then band. That is my weird death metal project that I've had you going for a couple a years now. You did a metal cover I, I, I did. Cats. It's fucking stupid, but it exists, and you can listen to it and download it for free if you want, so... Have at it. Um, if you would like to support this show, you can do that at our Patreon. That is where you can you can find that anywhere we can be found on the internet. And uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can DM us on Twitter or you can email us at imagineutina at gmail.com. We have a Tumblr where I reblog Utina fan art sometimes when I think about it. That's imagineutina.com. And um, you can technically message us there, but I can't guarantee that I will see it because who's on Tumblr anymore? Fucking nobody. Um, that's it. <laughs> Yay. Thank you for joining me, everyone. Uh, revolutionize the world, everybody. See you later. Fuck some shit up. <laughs>